the award-winning Crunch Time. Well done, Walker gathered in one hand, shot a handle out to Lockie Murphy, runs through the middle of Adelaide Oval, has a bounce, there's no one in front of him, he goes from 50 metres, dribbles it through for the first goal for the Crows! Went through his hands, tried to intercept the mark, comes back to Fogarty, now ends up with Isaac Rankin, oh he's special! Left foot kicked in every favour for Elliot. He turns to go. Oh, I reckon Ballard tackled him before he had it. Oh. Elliot paddled it back into play. <laughs> Went out of the play via the behind line. Came back in as the ball stayed in and kicked it off the ground. A brilliant, brilliant individual goal from Elliot. That is as smart as you will see. He'll just hoist one high inside 50. Oh. Drop mark by Long. That could be really costly because Bobby Hill's on it. He's got an open goal. Bobby kicks the fourth. North hung around, but the Crows went bang after half time behind Rankin and a small forward was dominant as the Pies continue to be the best team in the league. Home or away in the Gold Coast Suns, the questions continue to mount. Runs onto his right foot, drives one towards the flank. Big flight. And the Fremantle defender there, Luke Ryan, who reckons he got a hand to it. Rory lobs a good long set shot. He sends this one on its way. Does it come back enough? Yes, it has. He plays on now. Low driving ball, top of the square stuff. Hagen goes up, can't make. West with the handball. Magnificent to Whiteman. In a heartbeat, they go bang, bang. And they're out to 10 points. What a handball from Riley West. Bonapelli thumps it out, and there's the siren. It's a big, big win for the Western Bulldogs. They were hit early in the last quarter. Sean Darcy's goal saw the Dockers hit the front, but their response was magnificent. Forget the curse of the bye. The Bulldogs in the last 15 minutes continue to force their way towards the top four, whilst the Fremantle Dockers, while they struggle in Melbourne, the big questions around Nat Fife and his future. Rue gets a little hand pass off. The clearing kick for the Bombers is going to come straight back in because Houston's taken the mark. Unbelievable. Houston oh, has kicked 5-3 for the year. Handy point up the other end. Yeah. Ken wow. Hinkley, a right smile as he watches on from the bench. Dan Houston for 12 in a row for Port Adelaide. Set sail. It's not bad off the boot. It's not bad if it got the carry. No way. They're cheering, Port. They're the, cheering. The bombers. No, no way. I think he's kicked it, Dan Houston. No. I think no. he's kicked it, Dan Houston. It's going to no. be a score review. Soft call's a goal. Soft call is a goal. Oh, oh, Dan Houston's won. Port Adelaide up. The sign was a kick from outside 50. What? What an unbelievable game at the G. And Port Adelaide's streak goes to 12. And it's 12 straight for Port, a solo Saturday night at the MCG as Dan Houston went bang while Essendon lament another close loss. What a weekend, what a round, round 16, wherever you might be around Australia, welcome to Sunday Crunch Time. Wherever you might be, right around Australia, the SN Network, from a chilly but rain holding off MCG, it is Sunday crunch time, a big two hours ahead of us, and what has been an intriguing round, a full slate of games, back the bye rounds, 
no longer. We started on Thursday night. So much to get into. You can get involved very simply, wherever you might be. And we have got the all-star cast. Well, welcome Josh Gablitz, because he's been here for at least half hour getting ready. Josh, hello to you. Good morning, Cam. Good to be with you both. Nice to be here on time. Josh Jenkins, no shoes, no pants, sweating. I was in the car prepping. I've been here for 40 minutes, actually. I was just sitting in the car. I didn't want to be distracted, but... Good to be here. I haven't been to the G for ages, it feels like. So uh, good to be back. There's uh, going to be a good crowd here too. We're Hawthorne Carlton a little bit later on, but a fair bit for us to get through before that. A lot to get into. Tim Clark will join us before the hour. James Sicily into the second hour as well. Brenton Sanderson just over an hour away. And what has been an intriguing round, as I said, full slate of football back. Nine games, and it just feels like we are sort of slowly on the downhill slope towards what is going to be a wonderful September. We'll start with little snap judgments. I know that Jared Waitley does this better than anyone else, but Josh, as in the one I like, hit me, mate. What do you like? I'm going to go with a guy I think is one of the most underrated players in the competition right now, and it's John Noble. I just think his build this year has been sensational. I thought he was almost best on ground yesterday at Heritage Bank Stadium. 30 touches. Probably the best game I've seen him play. He's played 84 games now. I think he... We talk about John Newcomb coming off the mid-season draft. We think about Marlon Pickett in terms of a two-time premiership player. But John Noble, I think he's got the pick of the bunch in terms of body of work. 84 games right now. I don't think he plays too many bad ones. 30 touches yesterday. I just think he's undervalued and underrated. I like it. I like it. I'm going with uh, the fact that a man who most people wouldn't recognise if they cross paths with him in the street, me included, should be... If he keeps it up, the rising star winner for the season, not Harry Sheasel, not Will Ashcroft, not all these young midfielders who are doing a fine job and playing good footy in, in, in better teams largely, except for Sheasel. I think Jai Amos is the rising star to this point. He's kicked 29 goals. He's going at better than like two goals a game, which is hard to do at the peak of your powers, let alone as a, a skinny, raw-boned key forward without really a big key forward alongside of him. So at the moment, Jai Amos is my rising star, Cameron. We don't see people do that, though. Jesse Hogan was the last key forward to win it. He kicked 44 in 2015. 29 now for Jai Amos. Can he get yeah. to 44? Well, I think he'll... He's only get, he's, he's, he's getting better, mm. which is which is obvious, but he's, his season is, is going north the longer it goes. So he started out slowly. I remember watching him in Gather Round at Norwood Oval, and he's just one of those forwards who who understands the game. He's quite crafty. He's only about 85 kilos, so he needs to put on probably 8 or 10 kilos, but he's got, he is got 6'5". He plays like he's 6'2", and that's a, a positive. So if he gets to 45, I can't see why he doesn't win the award. I can't see why he shouldn't win the award. Does it hurt him? A very deep. Probably got the deepest rookie class, or at least rising star class we've had for a number of years. So if you look at you know Luke Jackson, who won it a couple of years yep. ago, Jesse Hogan, he was probably only one or two that you could really push a case for. This year you can find five or six. Does it hurt if Fremantle miss the eight? Because it there shouldn't. are it, it, it shouldn't, but will it? I th probably. But it's the least... It should be the award that is that, that, that factors in wins and losses the least, right? It's about it's about a young player who comes in and 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 plies their trade amongst a team. Now you can mount a great argument that Will Ashcroft is coming in and playing good footy and being impactful for a good team, but you can also mount an argument that that's potentially easier to fit into a good team mm. and good players around you, and you're getting less attention. Now I would imagine Amos's magnet is the one that gets circled by the opposition defensive coach already. 
Mm. And he's the one that they're saying if you can stop him. And he didn't have a lot of the footy yesterday, but good forwards can have days where they only have seven touches, but they'll kick four goals. And that's what he did yesterday. He takes his chances. So, um, look, he's up against it. History tells us he's up against it. But I just want to – I don't know who votes for it, but I just want the voters to look – wide and look at the la- the big picture in terms of what he's doing with 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 what's around him because there's not a lot around him and he's doing a fine fine job. You could argue that he's their most important player because yeah, their forward line since Matthew Pavlich has left hasn't been able to get to the the levels of which you need to be able to win a premiership. I, I still don't think Fremantle are there quite yet and I think he needs some help and they I think yesterday's a perfect example banger. of that. I think they hope Tracy is a mm. is that big banger but mm. You can, you, you've also got to be more than a big banger. You've got to have pro- productivity, and he's struggled to do that yet. So they, they certainly need – I think they had one more – if they had Tabiner at the peak of his powers, say, three years ago, and then Jackson, and then Amos, then maybe you've got something. But you are right. They need one more. My snap is the Adelaide Crows, who were brilliant at the MCG last Sunday against the best team in the league. Outstanding game, and there's an argument based on what the AFL suggested after it that there should have been a free kick for Jordan Dawson. So – too often we see teams get caught up in that. We did, and they had their say. Jordan Dawson said that along as I think, Riley O'Brien. But rather than allow it to hurt them into their next game, coming off six-day break, going back to Adelaide, I know North Melbourne aren't exactly the, the measuring stick, but good teams, really good teams who are going somewhere, belt the bad teams. And I think we said it yesterday with Collingwood. And while North Melbourne's first half was pretty decent, Adelaide's second half in particular was powerful. And I think it's a sign of a a maturing team that I don't think a lot of people, myself included, thought was going to take that next step when really they've taken three steps in 2023. So Adelaide, they're always going to win. The manner in which they win could have somewhat been dictated by their mental state on the back of last week's close loss. I thought they were brilliant yesterday. Well, they're now just a game outside the top four. I mean, that's quite incredible. If they finish fifth or sixth, they get that home final, which is a huge thing for an interstate club. It's huge for them, isn't it? Well, you would know more than us. Well, I'm just talking about the way they're currently playing. For them, if they play anyone seventh and eighth, if they play Geelong or whoever who who might be the eighth-place team, if that's Adelaide's home game, they're favourites. If if they, say, have to play here against an Essendon or a St Kilda or – they're, they're a long shot to it's win. Such it. a big difference, though. Oh, Six and seven. Massive. It's such a big difference. It's massive for them, and it's massive for all teams. But even saw something the other night. Brisbane, you know, points four and then points conceded when they're on the road. They're basically a six-goal uh, better team. Brisbane at the Gabba as to as to anywhere else. Well, Adelaide, you can probably I don't know. I haven't seen the numbers. They're probably an eight-goal better team when they're in Adelaide versus what they're like when they're on the road. But last week, they would have taken a lot of confidence from the fact, well, you know, our best does stand up on the road and we can perform on the road. We didn't get the points, but we know that we can do it. There's a different million different ramifications what happens in September, okay? But if they were able to get a home final and then bump into Port somewhere in a second or third week, they would have a great deal of confidence. Uh, Port would still be favourites and the way they are playing, and we'll get to Port Adelaide in the next hour, but the fact is that if we were to see, again, a showdown final like we did see, I think, in 2005, I think it was 2005 when Adelaide belted Port Adelaide as the reigning premiers, but if they were to get there, and they've still got another showdown to go. Adelaide would garner a great deal of confidence of being staying at home, even though Port Adelaide have been the better team. It, it would be, it, it's a fairy tale of the year. And, and I know that coming out of Adelaide in the preseason, there was a there was a lot of internal confidence that a lot of people externally didn't share. Mm. And now we're seeing it week in, week out as to why those Crows 
coaching staff and everyone else was so bullish. Well, just on the coaching staff, does Matthew Nix have a claim for Coach of the Year at this point? I know we've still got two months of the season to play, but if you look at the build, three wins, seven wins, eight wins. I mean, I don't even think they have to finish top four for him to be firmly in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, who else would be... Trying to think of the other candidates. I mean, Ken's but... won 12 in a row. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and well. Craig McRae's doing what Craig McRae has done. But just in terms of where they've come from, he's got to be a name in that conversation. Yeah, he's he, he, he'd be in the mix. It'd be hard, he'd be hard-pressed if Port win 15 in a row. You'd be hard-pressed to, yep. to, uh, to look past him. And Craig McRae, we're probably already taking him for granted, aren't we, what he does. And he's clearly a special individual with the way that he – I was listening to him last week – speak about sitting on the couch and making videos for his players and, mm. and how much he loves doing that. So he's clearly a special individual and they are they are in sync like no one else at the moment. So, um, yeah, there's a couple. But, yeah, for sure, Matthew Nixon, he's been under pressure over there. It's, he's always under pressure over there. But I think, they're, 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 I think he has opened himself up. He's been one of those coaches who has just – you know, contest, contest, contest. If you can't bring your, your, if you can't smash in, then you can't play for us. Now I think he's opened his mind up to that. James Raleigh has had a big impact going over there as a forward coach and just opening the game up, letting Rankin and and Fogarty and Walker and Rochelle play with a bit more flair and and let those guys be what they are, which is exciting and 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 offensively minded. So uh, certainly they're building a good thing. I want to give a shout out to Riley O'Brien, who's had an outstanding season. I think Tim English. In the eyes of many, if not all, is probably the All-Australian Ruckman so far. And if he continues to do what he does, he will be. But Riley O'Brien, Jared Witzak, two, two off-radar, I guess, or at least when it comes to the us Victorians, probably a little out of sight, out of mind at different times. Jared Witz has been really good for a couple of years. But Riley O'Brien's year this year is a huge reason as to why Adelaide is so good in the middle of the ground. Well, he absolutely dominated Todd mm. Goldstein. And- yeah, he did. And Callum Coleman-Jones yesterday, 52 hitouts. I thought he was phenomenal. It's a great point. I just think he's he's underappreciated. He just he does go under the radar. Jared Witt, I mean, they're both, they're both one best and fairest. So yeah. internally, they're not underrated. But I just think you know what you get from Riley O'Brien. He's full effort. He's such an impressive person off the field. And he just he gives you everything. I think it's a really good point. He got dropped last year. So, you know, his form was, was, was mixed for a while. There's... You know, having played um, over there when he was just coming through, there was, I guess he's coming from Sam Jacobs, who was a fine um, uh, craftsman in yeah. the ruck, great touch, whereas Riley is more that bullocking style. Just the longer the game goes, the better he gets, but his touch is not amazing. He's got a really awkward kicking style. But, you know, he, he was left out of the side last last year for, for a week or so, uh, responded as they knew he would, and, and he hasn't looked back since. So... Certainly, they're they're a really good team when he's up and about because he can be. Look, it's, he's not he's not going to be like English and Goldstein at their best with that silky ball use and and creativity. But what he does is he gives you meters gain and he sets the tone around the footy. All right, you know Tex Walker better than most, both as a footballer and personally. He's having an outstanding year. He has never been an All Australian. He yeah. leads the Coleman right now. Is he in the All Australian team? Yeah, yeah. Well, the Coleman Medal winner has to has to be at full forward. It's big, hard big, to big shout out to uh, SCNWA Scotty Cummings. He's still filthy about the fact won the Coleman in '99 and didn't <laughs> well, make All Australian. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's <to me>. ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> he, he still still holds a grudge on Mike Sheehan. And he be listening right now. He rightfully big should, particularly um, if he uh, if he never got a gong. But now Texas playing well. I was pleased to see Fogarty stand up. He really. His past sort of two months had really plateaued big time, so it was good to see him uh, kick a kick a nice little bag there and just just remind himself and remind everyone that he's still got a part to play because the longer the season goes, the harder it's going to get for Tex. He is thirty three, so 
you know, they needed Fogarty to stand up, and he did so yesterday. They did a good job, and uh, we spoke about this, JJ, at the time, when they didn't really take a great deal of players to Ballarat to take on the Western Bulldogs. Tex Walker was one of Bay those, Bay and yeah. we had the, the conversation about it. They're going to have to find a game or maybe two to manage him in the second half of the year, right? Because this this September run is when they need him playing the footy he's playing now. That's right, and they, and they haven't. And I'm a big, big believer, Josh. In you know, the, the a lot of people say, "Well, hang on, he's got the pre-finals by." But when you're when you're an older player or a younger player, I think there's a sweet spot for some players who can just charge on. But you can get to the point of fatigue where that pre-finals by comes too late, and you've already tipped over the edge. So I think Geelong showed probably over the top how to do it last year and really just forcing rests upon guys. But even Sloan, who played well yesterday, but he'd been pretty quiet before that. So if they can rest a couple of those guys, Brody Smith might benefit from a rest. Rest some of those guys, but still pick up a win. Maybe do it a bit in a bit better uh, fashion than at Ballarat against mm. the Dogs. Pick a team that you're pretty confident you're going to beat, which is hard, but... Certainly, those guys could do with a rest. Just one second, though. Taylor Walker is four goals clear in the Coleman medal. He's never won a Coleman. Mm. You touched on he's never been All-Australian. He's been in the squad four times. Mm. Is there any chance he wants to have a week well, off Well, he wouldn't, but and... what else hasn't he ever won? What's, a premiership, of that's course, right. of course. So, I mean, hopefully, I'd be saying, to, if I was Matthew Nix, I'd be saying, well, mate, get yourself six clear in the second last game because you ain't going to be playing it. And that's that's because they do. Cam's you know right. who they've got in round 24? West Coast. West Coast. Well, the only problem there is Texas' argument is, well, I don't need two weeks off in a row because you've got the pre-finals by. So he'll be, I think, round 23, you might not see him. Round 24 against West Coast, you'll see him over in Perth looking for six or seven. And you won't see him pass too many. And then uh, he might get that break again. I just think you're better off at that age to... We see so many 30-plus-year-olds have a week off, come back and really play with such... Um, they just get a lot of that freshness and that explosiveness back that sometimes gets taken from them when they've got a few bumps and bruises. Good How point you- would it be, though, if he, if he was to win a common medal at 33? He's played north of 250 games now. How special would that be? I mean, because we haven't seen him win one before. To do it at that age, it would be phenomenal. Well, it would be. And, and to be honest, you know, back in 2018, 19, he was gone. He was He was absolutely gone. He was really struggling and the team was struggling and... He was um, he was having issues with his body, just you know hips and 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 feet issues and just a nagging hamstring issue here or there. But he um, the games changed a little bit for him. But he certainly he certainly blossomed um, with a few more opportunities in one on one situations, having Rankin and and you can really liken that forward line now to the forward line that that got to a grand final in 2017 with Rankin and Rochelle and you've got guys who are making the game easier for him and he's he just makes the most of every opportunity he barely misses a set shot so um yeah he's in he's in fine form made a good point there Josh about what happens in the last game of the year and it, it kind of leads into what's happening in the last game today the West Coast Eagles and their plight and we've made a great deal of it but there is percentage to be had and St Kilda play the West Coast Eagles later on this afternoon and Adelaide without having the full fixture in front of me, percentage is going to play a huge part in maybe a home final for an Adelaide or a St Kilda or possibly an Essendon and and the Western Bulldogs likewise or being on the road. And the difference between playing at Adelaide Oval might be a percentage booster in round 24. And St Kilda, same. They need to go over there. They've been whacked all week, the West Coast Eagles. We do expect, with a couple of players back, we do expect them to be a little bit better considering they are at home. But percentage plays a huge part of what's going to happen because... 
If you're St Kilda, you'd much rather play the Adelaide Crows in elimination final here at the MCG than go to Adelaide Oval in front of 55,000 Sandgropers. Well, percentage is the right word because there is a world that we mm. live in where St Kilda could be in the top four tonight, which is remarkable because it they is. just had back-to-back -back losses. But if Melbourne were to lose to GWS in Alice Springs this afternoon and St Kilda were to absolutely smash West Coast, they could be in the top four, which is just staggering. Mm. And St Kilda play a game style that... That, that does lend itself to percentage because they keep the opposition score low. So if 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 Ross, the boss, was able to uh, play in a nature, play the way he wants the game played, say if it ended up, you know, 90 to 30, that's that's a more comprehensive or that's a larger percentage boost than allowing and the other team to scoring 70 or 80, but you've scored 150, 160. So St Kilda, in a, in a strange enough way, do actually lend themselves to a big percentage booster now I heard Ross during the week talking about that he's wary of West Coast off the week they've had, but surely not. Surely that's Ross just being a little bit facetious. Has it's to be, Cam. Good to be wary of a team oh, come that's on. been it's belted got by when you've got the cattle on the park. That, that's West Coast Eagles for whatever reason. And you can look at the list and you can be like, well, hang on, he's a premiership player. He's an All-Australia. We understand we've been all through this. Uh, I think Ross Lyons... Sentiments is the way that professional sporting coaches traditionally do it, right? They're yeah, not going to sit there. <laughs> now, in, and I'm sure that Ross jumped on the plane thinking, if we don't belt this team, yeah. I'll be really disappointed. But I also think that you've got to say the right things. And there's a bit of a coaching community there. He doesn't want to say we're going to belt Adam Simpson and uh, the Eagles. Yeah. But they should be going over there. I know you should never do this. But they should be going over there thinking they can help their percentage in what is such a tight Well, they, these ladder. games can be the best or the worst games to play. And there's rarely middle ground. So you go over there. You're, you, look, the players aren't silly. They know they're expected to win by 10 goals plus. But if you, if you, if you go away from your game style and it gets, you're up by three goals and you're inaccurate and they can be really frustrating games. Or you can go out there. You can absolutely put your foot straight on West Coast's throat, and it's an easy and enjoyable game. There's rarely middle ground, so it will be interesting to see how St Kilda, with, with plenty of young guys in their squad, go about it. Do, do players approach it differently mentally? You would have been in this situation before, well, JJ. How often, do you take it mentally? More, more often than not, more often than not, you, you do sense players, particularly younger players, um, just taking things a little bit less seriously. Now, it's uh, I've given up trying to read teams in warm-ups and, and because sometimes you're flat as attack and you come out and play really well. Other times you wound up like a top and you've, and you've used your energies. But, but you do, I think more often than not, you do see teams come out and play down to the opposition. So that will be St Kilda's challenge. But the, what Ross would be saying is if we bring our very best, then it'll be a good day. That's what you should say. Well, the Saints need a response because they've been pretty poor in the past mm. fortnight. And you look at the likes of a Jade Gresham who's had a really down year and a contract year. Dougal Howard's been right on the cusp of being dropped with Tom Highmore just floating around the mark. So they have players that head west and need to perform. So I think it's, a, it's good for St Kilda to head there in this sort of state. Dougal Howard's an interesting one because Ross Lyons over the years made a really good point of backing players in. And it's worked in particular at the early Saints... Zach Dawson is someone who comes to mm. mind who may not have set the world on fire, ironically, same end of the ground. But he is only hanging on Dougal Howard. But the West Coast Eagles forward line, if Oscar Allen gets hold of them early, now the midfield's got to give him some supply. They, there are a couple inside 50 that can make life a little 
uncomfortable. So he is someone who probably needs to go over there and, and play some good footy. Saints have fascinated me because they've barely made any changes in the last mm. couple of months. You look at the guys that played for Sandringham yesterday. Zach Jones had 36. Jack Billings cannot get in. Hasn't played a senior game this year. Tim Membry had fallen out of favour. So he has backed his squad. And I think they're on notice from, from what's happened in the past fortnight. There is an argument. You mentioned it earlier about Matthew Nix. There's an argument that Ross Lyon could be coach of the year. Because he was tracking that way early. It, it was. And again, we have some recency bias. But late in the year, if they were able to conjure up a couple... If they, finish fifth, if they get the home final, there's an argument that he could be. If they finish fifth, that Ross Lyon could be the coach of the year based on, on where we were. Uh, get involved, 0433981116. It's been a huge round and we're just starting to warm up. Big game here, Hawthorne and Carlton today. The Blues fans are going to strive into the MCG and hopefully get it done. Of course, Melbourne and the Giants. We're going to talk about GWS because they've kind of flicked the switch in the last month and that's in Kilda game a little later on when they go to the West. Josh Jenkins, Josh Gablich, Cam Luke, all thanks to Werby Zuzu Ute. They make buying cars easy. The Gold Coast Suns were disappointing Again, we'll get into that next on Sunday Crunch Time. You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. Um, yeah, really disappointing start. And then mentally, we looked frazzled. First half, obviously one goal. Weren't able to hold up. They outmarked us. Four to the ball, behind the ball. I think they were, they were harder on the inside, and then we just kept getting drawn in, not making an impact, and and clearly they're off to the races. So no, we got taught an absolute lesson tonight, by the third quarter. Stewie Jew deflated, not for the first time in his coaching career. A Gold Coast Suns team that continually teases us. The potential is there, but. Uh, the post-blues, or the post-buy blues for the Gold Coast Suns has been fairly evident in the stats in the last couple of years, and yesterday was a really disappointing effort at home. Against the best team in the league, they were belted from the opening bounce, and the uh, Pies do what they do. We'll put them to the corner for one second, because let's talk about the Gold Coast Suns, and we'll start with you, Josh. Not you, JJ, the other Josh. It is incredibly disappointing, and you could hear it in a the voice there from Stewie Jew, because we do all expect at some point this team is going to take the next step. Sure as hell doesn't look like. So far, it's going to be this year. Well, this felt like a final for that football club in July, and they sold it out. They were a couple of thousand short, and I think if you look at what happened with Virgin Airlines yesterday, mm. they lost them in Melbourne. They didn't make it up, obviously, but they were incredibly disappointing. Straight from the start, I mean, you look, one goal in the first half, but it was 94 to 10 at one point. So the final margin, I mean, it was under 80 points in the end. It felt like triple figures to me. And if you think about the spectre of Damien Hardwick. That's only going to get louder this week because for the first time since he walked away, we've now heard that he wants to coach again. He said that on Dylan Buckley's podcast earlier in the week. So that's only going to get noisier this week. Mm, I didn't like... He, he, he was a really defeated man last night. The vision of him on the bench yes. as well, very animated. I, I, if I was advising him, which I'm not, surprisingly enough, I would just love him to hold that in a little bit more. If I'm listening, if I'm a, if I'm a if I'm a, a board member or a decision maker for Gold Coast, and I'm and I am like, oh geez, I'd love. I think we'd be a good team with Damien Hardwick, but this guy's going all right. If I'm hearing him say things like, "We were frazzled, we were we were we were you know we were beaten 
in our mindset. We weren't resilient. I'm thinking, well, why? Well, it must be you, 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 we, we pay you to teach them to be that. Now, I would have, I think he should have just said, look, we got smashed in contested possession and the rest of the game doesn't matter because when you get smashed by in contested possession by that much, then that's what happens to the game. So I, I, I just, he couldn't, it felt like he couldn't keep his emotions in inside him last night and last night might have been one of those times where he just had to keep it in inside and not let it out. He's a hard-on-his-sleeve type of coach. Is, we did but... see him speak at halftime a couple of weeks ago when Carlton belted them in that second quarter and he was visibly disappointed. And... I don't mind it. I understand where you're coming from. It does mean a great deal to him because he's coaching for his future and there's a great deal of disappointment when his young chargers, who he no doubt believes is going in the right in, in the right way. In fact, he spoke about the fact he believes they could be a potential top four side in 2024. So I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think the public persona or public words changes those mm. internal conversations that they are having. They're, they're no doubt... From Stewie Jew to everyone behind the scenes and the players themselves, bitterly disappointing. Hey, have we overstated the list? It feels like we've done this ever since they've come into the league with their draft concessions and the talented players they have had. But when we look at the list, right, when they go out there and actually play football, are we overstating the potential or the skill of some of these players? Oh, it's not a bad point because we've been celebrating how many first-round picks they've had for a long time, and some of them just haven't quite come on. I mean, Ben King is the one. I mean, he's been sensational coming off the ACL, but he's just tapered in, in recent times. I mean, it's a huge challenge to come back from an ACL, and the way he performed in the first half of the year was extraordinary when you think about how much football he'd miss, but they're just not getting contribution, are they? He, the leaves, he leaves a lot of chances out on the field, and that's a frustrating way to play. He, um, I was having a bit of fun in the call, did their game last week, and he, thinking about Levi Casbold and even Ben King's decision with the contract is, how many marks do you drop in the Gold Coast because it's so humid? And he seems to drop a fair few that you potentially wouldn't drop if you're in Melbourne where the ball's not so slippery all the time. But he does leave a few chances out there. He doesn't make the most of his opportunities. We talk about Joy Amos, a young player who who does make the most of his opportunities. You know, Basically, every touch he had yesterday was a goal. So... King's not quite that player. I've got a lot of time for him. I love him as a player. I think he's so versatile. He's he's good overhead. He's not as good as Max in the air, but he's better at other things. He's more he's got better dexterity at ground level and, and movement, but certainly he didn't have his best day yesterday. But again, and to my point about Stuart Jew, when you get smashed up around the ball like that, and it's your strength, well, I, I don't know what else you expect some of those guys ahead of the footy to do. It's 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 not a secret. When you look at Holman, who plays ahead of the ball, you look at King, you look at Casbolt, you look at Humphrey, you look at five or six of their forwards who have had no impact in the game. Well, it's 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 not a coincidence. When you're getting belted around the ball and belted up at your greatest asset and your greatest strength, well, that's what happens to you. JJ, the loss of, of Tuke Miller this year has been enormous. I mean, he's looking to come back next week. But if you look at the last three weeks, so the big loss yesterday... And a fortnight ago at this ground against Carlton, they were listless, just lacking Tuke Miller. I just feel like they do lack leadership. I mean, Jared Witts is out there at the moment. He is the co-captain. David Swallow's the former captain. He's out there. But other than that, we've got Noah Anderson and Matt Rowe coming through, but just mm. the depth uh, of my leadership. View, my view on them has been they've been – I was really fascinated to look at the time on ground because, you know, having – 
um, spent time looking at them from an opposition point of view. And if I put my Cats hat on for a minute, you look at the, the midfielders around the competition and a lot of them play 75%. We look at Nick Dacos last week, played 75%. Game time was the best player on the ground. You think, well, naturally, you think, well, how good would he be if you played him for longer? But the, the reason you don't play them for longer is because you take away their burst, you take away their ability to explode and to run, and you see what it what it did for Dangerfield last year, starting him on the bench, and then you bring him on when everyone's just had the edge taken off them, and you're so dynamic. Whereas for a long time, the Suns midfielders, you know, Real, Miller, Anderson, and Wits would basically play low ninety percent, and and you just wear them down. They're great players, they're competitors, they'll try forever. But eventually, you just wear them down with throw six or seven or eight midfielders at them. Now, their numbers, you know, Real played 83, which is still high, but it's come down a little bit. Anderson was 85, um, and, and, and Wits was 83%. Clearly, the guys coming in, Fiorini and Ainsworth were fantastic last week. Nowhere to be seen last night. Now, I think their depth is where they need to improve. Their, their good players are good players, but, you know, Ellis has been in and out of the team this year. Well has been in and out of the team this year. Rory Atkins hasn't been able to lock down a spot. He was good in the second half. But I think some of their, their sort of, call them their, their B-grade players, their players who, who roll through half forward and then get a chance through the middle. I think that's where they need to improve. Who makes the eight first? The Suns or do the Giants get back there? Because the Giants seem to, in the last month, have done a really good job of all of a sudden garnering excitement and the way they're playing their football. Some of their older guys have found form again and, and probably, not, not to say they're on the downhill slope, but, you know, Toby Green's always Toby Green. But guys like Josh Kelly's had a great year. Lockie Whitfield. Caniglio's had his better year for the last three or four years. And there's a, there's a, there's a sense of feeling that the Giants have been able to revitalise. If they got back to the eight before the Suns ever made it, it would be a bad look for this Gold Coast team. Well, I'm a huge believer in what Adam Kingsley's doing mm. in the Giants. I actually think they could play finals this year. I'm just concerned about the Gold Coast Suns. This is season 13 for them, and they get to this point in the year, and I think their season's over now. Yeah, I, I agree. I can't see them playing finals. They've got Port next weekend. I mean... In Port, by the in way. In Port. Mm. I just can't see them coming back. That's why yesterday felt so important. They sold out the game for the first time since 2014. It just felt critical for them to show hey, we're still in this and we've still got something to play for in the back end. Yeah, I gave him, a, I gave him just the, 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 the smallest of outside chances. Based on? As, oh, based on the, the same reason I gave Essendon a massive chance last night. At, sometimes you just expect, you are also expecting Gold Coast to rise to the challenge, which they didn't. They had more to play for. But also mm. Collingwood, just to, it wouldn't have surprised me if Collingwood just played at 60%. Mm. It, and it wouldn't have surprised me if Port, who I think Port did play in about fourth gear, for, for, for a, di- a few different reasons, but, you know, the cream ultimately rises. But the Gold Coast-Collingwood performance, Collingwood brought their A game. Credit to them. They're, a, they're just an elite uh, group of operators at the moment. But, yeah, just to see them offer nothing was um, bitterly disappointing. Before we get to a break, uh, the Damien Hardwick comments during the course of the week sort of solidified what everyone was starting to think might be the case at, at some point, even if it did come sooner rather than later and and and, and Stewie Jew and the fact they haven't been able to continually win or at least show up in some of these bigger games do you want to either you two gentlemen <coughs> excuse me want to hear from someone within the board level of the Gold Coast Suns someone who, who can stand up for Stewie Jew publicly because right now that conversation is going to continue should we hear from someone outside of Stewie Jew someone making the actual decisions on the coach going forward uh, I, I don't know because what if what if what if they truly what if they're Truly sitting back thinking, well, 
we don't know if we don't we're probably not sure he is the guy or we're probably thinking if if Hardwick wants to come here then we we probably should go get a three time that, premiership silence coach says right that's what we assume that's what the silence well, we, says well we assume that but but i don't know what coming out and and i, I think we'd be if they come out and if someone came out and gave a gave a call it a pretend backing of Stuart Jew, I think we'd be able to see through it. Well, Mark Evans gave him his support last week. He's the CEO. We haven't heard from Bob East to replace Tony Cochran as chairman only a couple of months ago. So when you see a major leadership change like that, often you do see some mm. personnel changes. And I would think that if Damien Hardwick is prepared to go to Queensland, you'd have to really consider him clearly. Mm. It's it's disappointing. They got a big one. They take on again. Yesterday was a tough challenge, but at least it was at home. Next week they take on a tougher it's challenge a, but the, in Adelaide against Port. It's a week by week proposition. Go to go to Adelaide next week. Maybe not win, but go and absolutely take it up to Port. Yeah. And it's a different conversation. You, you, you say it's a week by week proposition, and I understand the cliche behind it. But this is a year on year thing that we have seen second half fade outs be continual at this club since they since they really forget the early years, but since like. 2018-19, where we thought there's a bit of excitement around them. This is what we continue to I think up see. until last week, I was pretty hopeful. Uh, you know, I called their game against Hawthorne last week. Hawthorne aren't world beaters, but they they absolutely smothered. They killed Hawthorne yeah. last week, and I thought, well, you know, Ainsworth played well and Fiorini played well, but then seven days later, you see nothing. And and two weeks before that, they showed up to the MCG and got embarrassed by Carlton <laughs> in, in 30 minutes. So... It's frustration if you are a Gold Coast Suns fan. All thanks to Werribee Azusa Ute. They make buying cars easy. A very quick break. We're going to check in with the Carlton midfield coach, Timmy Clark, to join us next on Crunch Time. And we are joined uh, now boundary side, boys. A little bit of rain about as well. Midfield coach for the Blues, Tim Clark, joins us. Tim, hello to you. Welcome to uh, Sunday Crunch Time. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Hey, the buy lot gets made of it. Lots been uh, made of it prior to yesterday, of course, with a tough couple of teams able to win off the back of it. How did uh, how did your crew go about it in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, we gave our players and staff four four days off after our last game. Came back uh, late last week. Had a couple of really good sessions. Reviewed the game like we normally would in the week leading into this game, and we feel we've had really good preparation. Our boys are really excited for today. Huge watch on Tom DeConing, Tim. Do you expect him to get up and play today? Uh, Tommy, we're still an hour and a half away from the teams coming out, so we'll, uh, we'll wait till to, to they come out to, uh, to hear about Tommy. Sounds like a no, Tim, to me. Um, your centre bounce work um, has you know, been, oh, was at its absolute forefront. I know, you know how important that part of the ground is. I guess it's that true area where it's four on four in a lot of space, and you've been dom uh, dynamic and dominant at different stages in that area of the ground. But you must have been pretty proud to see your guys really get to work against the Gold Coast and just be powerful in that in that space and, and pretty much take the game away from them. Yeah, like we knew going into the game that they were ranked in the top four with their centre bounce work. And we, we view ourselves as that type of team. And we just have, we've probably been inconsistent in our centre bounce this year. And to be able to roll out a game where our pressure and our intensity around the ball was, was back to its best. And... Yes, we got some scores on the back of it, but it was a method in the way that the boys got after it that we that we want to see today. And we uh, we found that hunger, uh, and we really can't wait to, to roll it out against the Hawks, who are ranked in the top couple with their CB. 
And there's a there's a balance to the contested possession work, isn't there? Because a you know loose ball gets is an important part of it. You know, often with contested ball, we just think about you know head in the trough and getting after it and putting your head in the hole and fighting the fight. But Hawthorne are, are number one in the comp for loose ball gets, so you know your guys will have to be good on the outside, getting after those balls that spill just outside those stoppages. Yeah, exactly. And you know we we know they've got really good contest method, the um, the Hawks and. If, uh, if we allow them to get the ball on the outside and we allow them to, uh, to, to outnumber a contest and then get their uncontested game up and going, it's going to be a really hard game for us. But we've, uh, we've got some things in place to defend them, keep the ball in tight and uh, hopefully keep the game on our terms. Tim, you mentioned the fact that you made it a real point to, to have a crack at Gold Coast as contested ball. But in the review, were you able to tangibly put your finger on what you did well in that game compared to a couple of previous games where you might have struggled? Uh, we, we match them in the contests, and I feel with Gold Coast in particular, they're, they're the number one contested team in the comp, and if you can match them in there uh, and then look to challenge them outside, and I felt our players did that last week. We had some really good run and carry from our half-backs and our wings, and uh, had a lot of overlap back in our game, which has been something we've trained a fair bit this year, but it's been a bit inconsistent, and if we can get some good overlap run from our half-back area, it goes a long way to getting, um, getting the ball inside 50 for us. Tim, can I ask you about Jackson Binns? A lot of Carlton supporters really interested in when he'll get his first look. Had 29 touches yesterday, six tackles, five clearances. How close is he to a debut? Uh, Binns, he, he's been going really well. We, we really value the work he's doing around playing his role. He's playing the wing wing role and he's, he's really learned his craft this year. Lukey Power in the, the mids development coach and our VFL coach has done a power of work with him and He's, uh, he's playing his role well, but there's still a few things in his game that he's, uh, he's working on. And we know that if we need to call on him, whether it's this week, next week, um, he, he's ready to go. And we had a lot of discussion this week because Matty Cottrell came out of the side and he was one that was discussed heavily and, and just missed out. So we uh, expect to see him at some stage. Timmy, the money kick, the kick inside 50 is, is really important. It, you know, obviously, if you if you can be accurate in that sense of the game, then you give yourself a, a shot for goal. But equally, you know, or conversely, if you if you if you put that ball on the ground, you do open yourself up, particularly with shallow inside fifties. You guys have really you know struggled to be efficient in that space. I think you're ranked seventeenth. So is that something you're really excuse me going to work on during the week, trying to just have a lot of breakdown drills, a lot of craft drills, where you're working on that synergy between the mids and the forwards. Yeah, you're right. The synergy between the, the guys kicking it inside 50 and the forwards is critical to, to retaining the ball inside 50. And we do a lot of work on that, uh, a lot of work with our forwards, allowing them to have space and work together. And then, yeah, the boys kicking the inside. There needs to be that connection and that synergy. And if there's not, it does make it harder. But uh, sometimes with the teams at the moment in the AFL, there's a lot of pressure. Mm. So a lot of those kicks going in are under pressure, but... We do a power work on it, and hopefully today you can see the, uh, the rewards. This might be a really obvious answer you can give me here, Tim, but any time you have a win, it does release a bit of that pressure valve, and it's a big club, and there's a lot of expectation, a lot's been made of the fact that there had been a losing streak. Do you, do you notice a better feeling, or a little more confidence and some momentum just within the club that has stemmed from that win a couple of weeks back? Uh, externally, there's a, there is that release, because you win, and supporters and family, they, they see that, and they see the W next to the result, but for us internally, it was a consolidation of a lot of the work that we've been doing. You know, we've been uh, our game's not complete, and we've been getting to work on a contest method. You mentioned our ability to connect going inside 50, and the big one for us is how we defend. 
and we've gone to work on that and to, to go against Gold Coast and be tough in the contest and defend as well as we did, we walked away from that game really proud of our, our method and that's what we've trained this week and that's what's going to be rolled out today against the Hawks. You've been around for a little while, Tim, now as a, as a player and a, and a coach uh, for the better part of the last decade and, and 20 years in the game. It, it has changed a lot externally, hasn't it? Back when you started playing, there was the, the inside, we all stick together, but outside there was maybe some TV and, and some papers, but nowadays it's social media. Everyone can have an opinion, so it has changed externally a lot while you have been in the game. Have you, do you notice that? Do you notice how it is harder to manage within a football club than it might have been when you started? What, what you notice more than anything when you work in footy is the amount of people externally that um, change around you depending on whether you're winning the games or losing mm. the games and you know they're checking in or how you're doing or you, you know you, are you all right or geez you must be excited like there's so much commentary around everything to do with our game because there's so much access to it and I'm sure some of that gets to our players, uh, gets to our staff, but internally, Vossi, Lloydie, they're so consistent with their messaging, so consistent with what our expectations are internally, and that, that really helps us as coaches and players. And It's our story, and uh, we get the good chance today to roll it out against Hawthorne. Tim, I've, I've got to ask about Paddy Dow, because you're the man who's probably charged with having most of the conversations with him. A big game yesterday, 29 uh, kicked, a, kicked a few goals. Now, we know what he can do with ball in hand, but how do, how do you go? Uh, is, it a, is it almost a bit of a deeper relationship than just your performance on the footy ground? Because so much conversation around him, and I, I imagine you are the person you know, who's charged with, with, with sort of handling him and, and conversing with him Monday to Friday. Yeah, Dowie's been fantastic. He, uh, he fits into our group really well. Like he, uh, The midfield group's a tight group. At, at Carlton and um, he lives with three or four of the boys that play in that group as well and uh, his footy has been terrific. He, um, he's, he's just found himself fourth or fifth in line in our midfield group and, and that means that he, there's been some times where he's come in and played sub uh, and he probably hasn't had a great go at it at AFL level yet um, and yesterday he rolled out a really good game. He had a lot of possessions, a lot of con contest work and kick goals and uh, he's playing terrific footy, and I'm sure when given the opportunity, he's going to roll that out on the AFL stage, and he's an AFL player, Paddy, and he just needs that opportunity. Tim, we thank you for your time. Big game today, mate. Good luck. Go well, and uh, we'll speak soon. Thanks, guys. Have a good call.